Welcome to the weekly podcast, Stand Strong. I'm Paul White. And I'm Noah Dieselkamp. Together, we look to God's Word to find energy and encouragement to fuel our faith. When our trust in Jesus is firm, we'll be amazed what God can do and accomplish in our lives. So let's turn to the wisdom in God's Word, a true and trusted source that is going to help us stand strong. Let's dig in. Well, hello, Noah. How are you today? I'm doing very well. I've got my coffee and I'm good to go. Well, that's great. Look, we have been going through this journey on seeking to get to know God better. We've been dealing with various attributes, uh, characteristics of God. I think we just came off the heels of talking about God's justice. We thought that would be an opportune time for us to move into where we wanted to go today. But just reminding those who have been taking this journey with us, we've talked about already God's goodness. We talked about His severity. We talked about God being a God of wrath and why that's the case. So having talked about justice along with the goodness and severity. Thought it would be a good time to talk about grace. We've been saying, is it time yet? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? We've been waiting and waiting and waiting. (laughs) Uh, We are finally here talking about grace and God being a gracious God. There are several texts, Noah, a lot of uh, texts in the Psalms that speak about God being gracious or God being full of grace, Psalm 86 and verse 15, but you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious. Psalm 103 and verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. And I love Psalm 145 and verse 8, the Lord is gracious, full of compassion. He's slow to anger. He is great in mercy. You know, I grew up in classes Uh, where somebody would teach on grace and ask the students, just define grace for me. I think that's a good place to start. So how would you define grace? If you're talking about God's grace and trying to give a workable definition of grace, where would you go with that? You know, that's a tough question, I think, sometimes, because we we start interchanging and with other words, and, and some concepts are hard to define perhaps easier to illustrate than they are to define. So before I attempt a definition, I want to point to point in the Bible where we're specifically told someone received God's grace. And that situation, as an example, we're all familiar, I think, with Noah in Genesis chapter 6. A lot of translations render it that he received favor from God The idea there is grace. In fact, we see a very similar phrase, the exact same phrase, actually, in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, when the angel is talking to Mary, and he says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Both of those situations, what's being talked about is grace. They found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And I think looking at those two situations, familiar situations, familiar stories from the Bible automatically helps us just kind of get an intuitive idea of what grace is. In the case of Noah, there's this destruction that is coming on the earth. Nothing is going to stop it. God regrets creating what he has created, and yet one man and his family find grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then in the New Testament with Mary, you have this context of the Roman Empire Jews living in a time where Judaism is in many ways shattered. They're under the oppression of Roman rule. 
and God sending his king and one woman found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So I know that doesn't answer the question of the definition of grace, but for me, it's helpful to start with those kinds of examples to help us formulate the idea of what is grace. And in both situations, what we see is we see God extending a hand to humanity in a time and a situation where they do not deserve to get God's favor and for his hand to reach out in a helpful way as opposed to a destructive way. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I like the fact that you connected an, an Old Testament character, a New Testament character, both Old and New Testament together. You, you attributed all of this to God, which is what we're doing in this podcast That is a difficult uh, term to define because it's used in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at just simply that Greek term charis that is translated by the English term grace, and you connect that to God, then you are, as you illustrated, you are talking about joy or pleasure, delight, charm. I like the fact that you mentioned both goodwill and favor. Mm -hmm. So now when we connect God's grace I have heard it defined this way, unmerited favor. I've used that yeah. quite often, and I don't disagree with that, but I would submit this. That is okay as far as it goes, but I don't think that goes far enough. That mm. concept of unmerited favor, I'm not sure that goes deep enough. You know, when you're talking about God's grace and you're connecting God's gift of salvation to us as sinners, it's not just unmerited or something undeserved. In fact, it's the opposite of what the sinner does deserve. So I've heard grace defined as favor bestowed when wrath is owed. A lot of books that use that, <laughs> and, and, and I like that too. I mean, it's, it's illustrating the God who is operating in love and mercy toward us as sinners. It's God showing, again, that goodwill, that joy, or that goodness to us who deserve something otherwise. So, you know, that, that's kind of where I wanted us to go on this podcast is connecting God's grace to our salvation. Yeah. And look, I'm just going to say this early on. Here's the deal. When it comes to salvation, we, we can forget about fairness. <laughs> you know, if we want God to be fair with us on the day of judgment, we would all go to hell. Yeah. In fact, that's what the Bible teaches. Just just read Romans, the first three chapters or so. That's exactly what God is saying to us. We deserve, because of our sin, sin that we chose, we deserve death. We deserve condemnation. And we must get this through our heads that grace is the opposite of fairness. Grace means that on the judgment day, we will get the very opposite of what we deserve. And when it comes to eternal salvation, our only hope is grace. And it's beautiful, and this is kind of zooming out for a moment and looking at what we've looked at so far about God, His His justice and His mercy and His wrath and His goodness, the fact that God can remain just and the justifier, we talked about that in the last episode, the fact that He can show us grace, which is in no way fair, and yet still make sure that the price is paid, that the sin is covered. The fact that he can do all of that should leave us in awe. That should impress us because that is something that we're not capable of doing. We're not capable of doing that. In fact, you mentioned just a moment ago how often this is connected with his goodness. In fact, sometimes we even will use that to try to define grace. This is God showing goodness to us when we don't deserve it. God's grace is absolutely 
connected with what makes him good and what makes him glorious. When we think of God and we think of the awe that he inspires in us, grace is a big, big part of that. I mean, John 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. When we see God in the person of Jesus, and we therefore see God's glory, a big part of that is the fact that he is full of grace. Yeah, I I like how you're already connecting grace to the free gift of Jesus Christ. When you talk about God being gracious, and you think about the provision of grace— through the gift of Jesus Christ. There's so many passages we could go to, and we will go to some of those in Romans. Uh, I think Romans chapter 3, we'll go to some of those in Ephesians. I think Ephesians chapter 2. But again, I'm circling back to this point because I want to keep bringing it up in this podcast on grace. Grace is the opposite of fairness. Grace means that on the judgment day, we will get the very opposite of what we deserve. When it comes to salvation, It is important that all of us stop thinking in terms of merit or fairness and think in terms of grace. I believe that's what the Apostle Paul was doing very early on in Romans when he would make the point by the time you get to chapter 3 about both Jew and Gentile, they are under sin. Yeah. And maybe that's sometimes, if we'll just be honest, maybe that's the problem or the difficulty at times in us understanding the depth of God's grace And what grace should motivate us to do when we truly understand that concept. You know, the thought of myself standing before a God who is holy, who is righteous. In Him, there is no darkness. There is no stain. There is no guilt. The ethical spotlessness of His character that we talked about. And to see myself as guilty and under condemnation because of the sin or the sins that I chose God is not true to himself unless he punishes sin. And so for God to be just and the justifier, when you talk about God being a God of grace, we move very quickly into a discussion about Jesus Christ. So, uh, Noah, let's go to Romans 3. There's, There's a couple of passages I mean, where do you start when you're talking about grace and you're going to (laughs) Romans? Probably chapter 3, just two passages. I would encourage those listening today, go back and just read Romans chapter Mm 3. But in chapter 3 of Romans, verses 24 and 25, it says, We are all justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation, that's a sacrifice of atonement, through faith in His blood. And what Paul is saying there is grace comes by Jesus Christ. The only way for any of us to be saved from sin is by grace. And the only source of grace is what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And that is an impactful thought to have, that this is the only way that we can have this grace. And this is what it took. You mentioned uh, the, the translation you were reading from in Romans 3 there, references it as the free gift of God, right? right. But at the same time, that's contrasted to just how costly that gift was. I think I've heard it said that grace may be a gift, but that doesn't mean it's cheap. It was not cheap for God to show us grace. It was not 
cheap for Jesus to come and die on the cross to cover our sins, to forgive us of our sins. And so we have to be conscious of the fact God was willing to offer his son as a gift of grace in order to justify us. And that should floor us. Just So just file this away if you're listening. Just file it away. Noah just went on the record as saying grace is not cheap, which <laughs> absolutely amen to that. I agree with you. We'll circle back to that either toward the end of this podcast or in the next one because this is part one of two parts on grace. Yeah. You know, what we're saying about grace and salvation is, is that they belong together as a cause and effect. And if you connect the book of Romans with early on the book of Ephesians, uh, who talk that talks about Ephesians 2, for by grace are you saved through faith. Mm-hmm. Those are the most familiar passages on grace, I think, probably in all the New Testament is Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift. And, and that's the point, the free gift of God. To talk about grace, no, there, there's a book I remember I bought years ago, the title of the book is What's So Amazing About Grace? A friend of mine recommended that book to me. When I saw the title, I said, okay, I know the answer to that. What's so amazing about grace? But if you think about the Apostle Paul, when he would preach the gospel of grace, he would preach the crucified and resurrected Jesus as Christ, as Lord, and he would make sure his audiences understood that this is something God has done for sinners who deserve condemnation. And yet God, because of who he is, has given heaven's best in the person of Jesus Christ to make atonement for our sins and not just the sins of a few, but all the world. Absolutely. Which what that comes down to is that the gospel, that good news, that we've obeyed, that we've submitted ourselves to and responded to if we're a Christian, the gospel is inherently a message of grace. It has to be considered a message of grace. It wouldn't be good news if it weren't for this, that God, instead of coming in wrath against our sins, will come in grace. And that's what makes the gospel such good news. Yeah. I mean, Romans 1 verses 16 and 17, what makes the gospel such good news is it declares to man, to us all, how we can be declared by a holy God righteous or not guilty. Right, right. And again, that's that's through the provision of Jesus Christ. No, I mentioned Ephesians 2. Usually, that's where you go very quickly is, is in Ephesians and Ephesians chapter 2. And I understand why just a portion of Ephesians 2, I really like verse 4 of Ephesians 2, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And then parenthetically, by grace you have been saved. And now verse 6, and raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And now you've got verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Before Paul ever said that, here's what he said back in chapter 1 of Ephesians. 
Blessed be to God, Ephesians 1, now I'm starting in verse 3. And I know we're reading a lot, but it's important for us to see what the Word says here. Ephesians 1, now verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him, that is, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of His will. Now listen to verse 6. To the praise of His glorious grace, which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of His grace. And the point that Paul makes very early on is an understanding of grace through the provision of Christ Jesus should bring us to a point in our lives where we praise Him. We want to praise Him, worship Him. Do we just stand in awe of Him? Yeah. In my preparation for this discussion, I wrote down a note. This should lead us to praise. The exact point that you're making there from Ephesians 1. The point that I wrote after that, that I think is highly related to that, is this should demonstrate beyond any doubt how much God loves us. Amen. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things in life that we might question, we might doubt, we might have trouble figuring out or having confidence in. But when we read about God's grace in Ephesians chapter 1, in Ephesians chapter 2, if we go back to the Gospels, you know, verses that everyone knows, like John 3, 16, when we look at the grace of God and what that led him to do, the fact that he loved us so much and wanted to show us grace so much that he was willing to do this, uh, that Jesus was willing to give up so much. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is verse 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And obviously he's not talking about physical wealth there, but Jesus gave up so much, we cannot doubt God loves us. Amen. I, I think that's so powerful, Noah. So let's let's move into the so what. I mean, we, we've only touched the hem of the garment when we're talking about from a side of theology, from a side of Scripture, just trying to understand and see what God has revealed to us in His Word about His grace and the provision through Jesus Christ, this goodwill, this favor, this uh, kindness that God has bestowed when wrath was owed. So what is the so what side of this? I, I want to ask this question. I, I think it's a fair question. I've, I've asked this before. What happens or what can happen in our homes or our local churches if a very unbiblical concept of grace is both believed and practiced? That is, you said grace is not cheap, or if we cheapen grace, if we don't understand grace, if we preach or teach a very unbalanced, unbiblical view of grace or a God who is gracious, what can that do in our homes and in our churches? Well, in short, it's going to wreck them. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> well, let's just get right to the point, uh, but, which, amen, yes. But that needs to be unpacked, because I think that it's, we can jump to the end and we can see that. That's the ultimate conclusion of, of neglecting a biblical view of grace, is that it's going to wreck our homes and it's going to wreck our churches, but how, how are we going to get there? And Paul, I, I think that you'd agree with me here that 
usually grace can be misconstrued in in one of two major ways. One, grace can become an excuse, a license to sin. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, grace can just be forgotten, taken for granted, or maybe not taken for granted. What's the right way to put this? That we think it's not necessary. We think that somehow on our own, we're going to become justified in the eyes of God. And so basically you've got those kind of, those two different ways that grace gets perverted. It either becomes license for sin or it just becomes forgotten because we think we're doing this all on our own. And each of those is going to play out differently in our homes and in our churches. When you think about the home, as a father, having raised three children, I was all about rules. There is a sense in which rules, healthy rules, are intended to create the right boundaries. Children at a very early age need to understand correct boundaries. Mm-hmm. You cross the boundaries, there's consequences to crossing the boundary. So you have to have rules. Without rules, you have chaos and yeah. all sorts of confusion. So look, I'm all about rules, but the unbalanced, unbiblical concept of grace. When when you think about a rules-based kind of situation where perfection is demanded, perfection is expected, get it right all the time. And I know that's probably an exaggeration, maybe not, but in some cases. What that can do to, to relationships, what that can do to young minds that grow up thinking, okay, I've got to get it right all the time. Right. When you think about the judgment day, I wonder how many are afraid or gripped by fear because they're thinking, I'm not good enough to go to heaven. What I would say to that is stop it. You're not good enough to go to heaven. Of course you're not. None of us are. That's why God has given us grace. So again, we we said that we would get to the second part of this, Lord willing, in our next podcast next week. But this idea of get it right all the time, and so once you get it right, then, you know, th- these are the terms and conditions where you can be in favor with someone. That's going to do a lot of bad things in our homes and in our churches. The other side of that coin is anything goes. Right. No boundaries, no restraints. You know, who cares? So surely we're not talking about that. You can be too hard. You can be too soft. And in being too hard, it, it can produce a very unloving, unmerciful less than patient kind of environment in our homes and in our churches, demanding the impossible. This discussion, I think, for good reason, often lands us in Romans chapter 6. And I think part of the reason that we land there so squarely is because Paul addresses both, you know, mistaken views of grace in just a few verses. I mean, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not, right? We we know that one. But then just a couple of verses later in, in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 and following, you know, he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. I mean, that that is not an okay view of grace. But just a couple of verses later in uh, verses 4 through 8, he talks about being buried with Christ by baptism. And he says, one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. He doesn't give the reason, well, if we've died with Christ and also we have kept every single rule perfectly and never sinned 
and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then we believe we will also live with him. What he says is if we have died with him, we believe we will also live with him. And that's why later in the chapter, he says, you've been set free from sin and you've become slaves of God. We can't ignore that part. We are slaves of God. He says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, there's that term again, free gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6 is a resource, is such a great resource on this because he talks about both mistaken views of grace and he makes it clear that neither one is acceptable and neither one will lead to good things. The song that we sing, I grew up singing, Amazing Grace. Some of the words in that song, that saved a wretch like me, that's what makes grace so amazing. But also in that song, it says that taught my heart to fear. And so connecting those two concepts, our salvation through the free gift of Jesus Christ, Romans 3, 24 and 25, and now an understanding and appreciation of that grace, it's what teaches my heart to fear, to revere and respect God. But again, when we're talking about a God who is gracious, a God of grace, this idea of unmerited favor, grace that is being poured out freely— Grace is the opposite of fairness. Grace means that on the judgment day, we will get the very opposite of what we deserve. And when it comes to our eternal salvation, our only hope is grace. Yeah. That's what makes it so amazing. That's what makes our God so amazing. And I think that that is a great way to wrap up for this week on the topic of grace, that our only hope is grace. And that is what makes God so amazing. Amen. Amen. Well, appreciated our time together. Moving in next week, Lord willing, next time, I'm going back to that concept you mentioned today, but grace is not cheap. God's grace is not cheap. And so we want to talk about that. We want to consider that, dig into that next week, just trying to help all of us stay better connected to God, getting to know our God better so that we would stand strong. Thanks for joining us in God's Word today. We hope you'll continue to join us each week as we consider how to deepen our faith in God. Here's some good news today and even this week. With God as our foundation, we know that we can stand strong. 